Hey, Mountain. It's good to see everybody. Glad you're here. Welcome if you're a guest. Really super glad you're here with us. And a shout out to all of our friends at the different campuses, uh, Mountain Road or Edgewood, Bel Air, Abingdon, wherever you are online. Thanks for being here. I'm Ben, one of the one of the pastors here. Hey, last week, how many of you were here last week? We had an amazing weekend last weekend. We just challenged the mountain people to, uh, to generosity for sponsoring some kids in poverty, especially in Ecuador, Peru, and other areas of South America. And we set a monster-sized, God-sized goal of 1,200 kids being sponsored. And if you've been paying attention, you might know we went screaming by that goal. And are you ready for this? So far, all of our campuses, last weekend this, and, and um, the Compassion Experience uh, trucks and online. Are you ready? 1,575 kids. Amazing. Way to go, Mountain. That's fantastic. That's like well over $700,000 of generosity unleashed every year for kids in Jesus' name. I know it's going to make a big impact, not just in those kids and their families and all of that, but in the lives of, uh, of us as well. So if you were, weren't able to sponsor a kid or you want to sponsor another kid this week, we have them available at all of our campuses today. Uh, also, we've added in some kids from Africa through Missions of Hope. So if you want to do that, you can do that. If you want to see that video or share it with someone, you can grab it on our Instagram or, or Facebook page, the Mountain page. So all right, so happy Father's Day for those of you who care about that. All right. Um, it makes me think of when I, was, when I was a young dad. I was the youngest in my family growing up, so I didn't know anything about what to do with little humans when they hatched out. I, I was like <laughs> over my head. So, so you know, Nathan was a, our firstborn was a couple weeks old, a few weeks old, and I says, I says to my wife, I says, I got it. You go out and be with the girls. I just do a little bonding time. No, go, go, go. It's, I got to go, 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 go. She, so she says, you sure? I, I got it. So she went, no, you know what happened. As soon as, soon as she left the house, that kid started crying. Wouldn't shut up. Just kept crying. Crying, 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 crying. I did everything I knew to do. Pat the kid, feed the kid, pacifier the kid, turn him upside down, nothing. He just kept crying. I started to get a little worried, so I did what any reasonable dad would do. I took him to the urgent care and <laughs> handed him to the doctor. And the doctor took a look and worked his way over to the, down to the diaper region and said, I think we found your problem. This kid needs to be changed. And so I was so relieved, but I was also like confused because I said to the doctor, I said, I don't understand. It said right on the package of diapers it was supposed to be good till 10 pounds. <laughs> so how was I supposed to know? That's a joke, y'all, okay? That's a joke. Sometimes dads are uh, with it and together and competent and amazing, and sometimes they're clueless and don't do a good job at all. And anyone who's a dad knows exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, anyone who's had a dad knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm so thankful for my dad, John Kacharis. He's a man that I and many other people look up to. Uh, after many, many years. He's a good and godly role model and example. He's faithful to my mom and to us kids. He's 89 years old. He's still one of my favorite people to talk to in the whole world. But I also know that not every dad is like that. I know that uh, some of us here today, you know, we, that's not our experience. We didn't have a dad like that or we don't have a dad like that. And even Father's Day for some of us is, is, a, hard, is a hard day. I get that. But I, I also thought, you know what, in, in a day like ours, where it seems that some have almost kind of given up hope that there even is such a thing. 
or given up the hope that there is such an idea of, of, a, of a godly man out there somewhere who, who, who's there for his family, who's there over the long haul, and who's not self-absorbed like you see on all the TV shows depicting dads, or that they've given up on the idea of there ever being a dad who knows how to just touch and hug his kids and speak words of blessing and picture a positive future for his family and honor his wife. I just want you to know I know a guy who's all that. I know at least one. And I wanted to say that as a reminder that they exist and that that's a reminder for all of us because honestly, I think any one of us who's a dad, we know what it's like to feel like a failure. We know what it's like to feel like we don't measure up and just count all the things that we've maybe left open. And you know what? My dad would tell you the same exact thing. He has, in fact, with tears in his eyes, apologized to his kids for what he considers his flaws and wonders why we're not all in an insane asylum and screwed up and trying to get counseling every day to function. And, and through all of his flaws, God managed to use him to give me the blessing. And I want to pass that on to my kids, and I want to pass it on to you and to my spouse. So I just want to say at the outset of this day today, if you didn't get any of that from your dad, or you didn't know your dad, or your dad didn't, or couldn't, or wouldn't bless you in the ways we've been talking about in recent weeks, I want to remind you that no dad is perfect anyway, and, and that even the best dads in the world will leave you with a kind of emptiness inside that... You can only get from God. The blessing is something, we're built for something that no human can ultimately provide for us. That's what we long for. So you're only going to receive the blessing from Jesus because only God can love perfectly, okay? So if you had a great dad like I do, you remember that, but remember that's great and thank God for it, but remember your ultimate blessing and the fullness of blessing won't come through your parents. And if you had no dad or a lousy dad, just remember that you don't have to miss out on the blessing because God can fill the hole you have in that blessing department. And that's why we call him our heavenly father. He's the father to the fatherless. He's the most amazing giver of the blessing to all his kids. Everybody tracking with me? I want to say that on the way right out the gate here today. If you're just joining us, we've been talking in recent weeks in this whole series that we're capping today called The Blessing. And The Blessing, The Blessing is this amazing, like, affirmation and sign of approval and a welcome and a warmth to the world that you receive from people that matter to you who say, man, God and I think you're awesome. God and I think you're beautiful. And when you hear that, it puts a deposit down inside the soul of a person. And it gives a kind of strength and a reservoir to draw from the rest of your life. And the blessing's super important. And we've seen it all through the Old Testament scriptures with like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as they, as they gather their sons and confer this amazing blessing. We want to steal that idea and say, we want to give it today because some of the most painful words in all of the Bible come out of the mouth of Esau, who comes in late from the field thinking he's going to get the blessing, and he doesn't get it, and he's crying out, Father, bless me too. And the father can't or won't in the way that he wishes, and some of us know what that feels like. 
So this is super, super important. And the incredibly good news, as we said, is that every single one of us can receive the blessing from God through the shalom, the goodness that God gives through his son, Jesus Christ, for everyone. And here's where we've been focusing, is that every one of us is called and capable of giving the blessing. We're not just here to soak it up. We're here to give the blessing. You are meant to be a person who gives blessing to others. So we've been talking about how to do that. And um, there's a great book by Gary Smalley and John Trent called The Blessing. We've been borrowing some of the ideas. And they talk about these elements of the blessing, things that are kind of components or ingredients of the blessing. We've talked about them one by one. You remember what they are. We've talked about, we've talked about meaningful touch and how important it is to, to have those life-giving Pats and hugs and squeezes, physical signs of affection with those we love that are appropriate and give life and say, you're welcome, we include and, and, and convey warmth. And then we've talked about spoken words and how important that is. Big part, right, of giving the blessing because the hole in the middle of your face makes sounds that are capable of giving life and death. So words matter. Silence is not golden. And so we learn to utter words like, Thank you, I'm proud of you, I'm sorry, and I love you. We've talked about attaching high value. Like when you say to someone, you really are important and you're valuable to me and you demonstrate that with words that are, are genuine and evocative and hope-filled. And last week we touched on um, picturing a positive future for someone, how important that is. Like when you weave a cocoon so that that person can kind of emerge and grow and develop inside of that world to become and live into the kind of future they would never imagine for themselves unless you help them picture what they can become. That's a blessing, man, when you do that for someone. Today we want to land on the fifth and final, maybe most important element, because without this one, all the rest of them might not stick. You ready for it? Here it is. Active commitment. Active Commitment is a vital part of giving the blessing to someone that you love. And we want to unpack a little of that today. Years ago, I told Carla, man, I would love to be able to play the guitar. I love the sound of the, especially the acoustic guitar. You love that sound of the guitar? Man, it's just amazing. It's like when you see people like Eric Olson just playing that guitar. Like, man, I want to be like that. I could just see myself. Like, gather, family. I will play a tune, and you'll sing with me now. <laughs> or we'd be on the beach somewhere, and I would just happen to have it slung over my shoulder at sunset on horseback <laughs> in a music video, and it'd be like me playing. I could just see it, and Carla just smiled. <laughs> but she also bought me a guitar. Talk about active commitment. So I tore into that thing. I, I, I practiced. I, I, I learned three chords. I could play kumbaya, <laughs> and I, I worked very hard on that guitar practice every day uh, for about two weeks. And, and then uh, we went on vacation to Minnesota, and I didn't take the guitar along. And so I kind of got busy when I got back and stepped away from it. I actually forgot those three chords and forgot about the guitar, basically. About a year later, that's when the magic happened. I got the vision again. I could see myself playing the guitar. The spark was ignited. And I picked up that guitar, and I practiced every day for about two weeks. And that was really the last time until I gave it to my son years later who actually learned how to play the guitar. So here's the deal. I don't know how to play the guitar. What was missing? 
active commitment. You see, I, I wanted to play the guitar. Hmm, I wanted to. I intended to. Hmm. I started to, but I, I didn't. And I think maybe I was more in love with the idea of playing the guitar than I was with what's actually involved with learning how to play the guitar. Friends, this is what happens with the blessing sometimes. We've listened to this beautiful series. We've got all these ideas in our head. But listen, sometimes we do the same thing with people we love that I did with my guitar. And as we come to the end of this series, I hope some of us are saying deep down, man, I want to, I want to be that person for my spouse. I want to give the blessing to my kids. I, want, I, I intend to. And maybe you've even started to, but, but if we don't follow through with some active commitment, we're going to leave, leave them standing in the corner like I did my guitar. Because it's very easy to be in love with the idea of being a blessing giver, the idea of being a good husband or wife, the idea of being an amazing parent. And that's different than the active commitment that's actually involved in doing it. So active commitment is, a, is an important, and it's in a biblical concept. This is all through the Bible in lots of big ways, like, like concepts like faith and love in the Bible. They're never just like feelings. Faith and love in the Bible are not like ideas in the head. No, no, they always come down to practical, everyday things you actually do in activity, action. So love, for example, is not a feeling. The Bible doesn't say, God so loved the world that he had like little butterflies in his belly. No, it says God loved the world. What did he do? He gave his son. And so then it makes sense in 1 John 3 that it says we should do the same thing. Dear children, let us not love with word or speech, but how do we love? With actions and truth. That's how you love the people in your life. Faith is the same way. Faith, a lot of people have a lot of weird ideas about what faith is, and they think they can make up whatever they want faith to be. But you know what? Faith in the Bible is not wishful thinking. It's not a blind leap in the dark. It's not you making up what you want. You know what it is? It's you trusting that God is who he says he is, and then you back up that trust with sort of action through the choices you make. So James, in chapter 2 says, verse 14, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? And it's a rhetorical question. And the answer is no. Verse 15, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, well, good luck with that. Farewell. Have a good day. Keep warm and well fed. But then you don't actually give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith without being accompanied by action is dead. Unless that faith produces good deeds, it's useless. And I, the blessing is the same way, isn't it? See, so I think if James were talking to us today, he might say, what good is it if you see, say, a child who needs the blessing and you say, well, good luck with that. Or here's a hug, I hope that does it. And you don't back it up with, Active commitment over a period of time. So it reminds me a lot of the, the old, it's so old it'll be new to some of you, but the story about the pig and the chicken. They, they, were, they, they lived out on the farm with Farmer Brown, and the pig and the chicken were talking one day, and they were noticing that every day the farmer had bacon and eggs for breakfast. <laughs> and the pig got to thinking about that, and he said, now wait a second. You got to make a contribution, but I got to make a real commitment here. 
You see the difference between contribution and commitment? So I guess here's the takeaway for today. Everyone needs to act like a pig. Tweet that if you want to. I don't care. Because there's a big difference. We're going to act like pigs and make a real commitment. When Gabriella looked over on the sidelines and saw her dad standing there in the middle of her lacrosse game, Her dad is standing there in the pouring rain with a newspaper over his head, cheering her name, and thinks to herself how he had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and drive through two states to get there to cheer her on. She's getting a little bit of blessing that day through what? Active commitment. Mike had an epiphany one morning when he woke up early to go to the bathroom. He's going back to bed, but he sees his single mom up already dressed, ready to head out the door to her second job, even though he knows she was up till midnight at her first job because she's working two jobs so she can take care of her two boys and put clothes on their back, food in their mouths, and send them to camp and take care of them. And that's what active commitment looks like. It's not usually easy It's not always fun, and it might cost you something, but that's what makes it like Jesus. That's why it's powerful. That's why active commitment's powerful. I love the story Gary Smalley tells about the time that he was in high school. He dreaded, he hated geometry class. In fact, he flunked geometry, and so his senior year, he has to take it again. And pretty much everyone in the class hates it. It's the worst hour of the day, and his teacher was pretty sure most of them were going to flunk it too. In fact, the teacher had them sit according to how poorly they were doing in the class. And so he sat on the back row against the wall with all the other kids that the teacher and everybody knew was going to flunk the class. He hated that class. It was awful until one Monday they dragged themselves into class and everything changed because a substitute teacher showed up who turned out to be the new replacement teacher. And they were happy for a minute until they realized, well, I'm still going to have to finish, you know, geometry class. And uh, we still are below average in math. But something that teacher said, he said, changed his life. First day of class, that teacher stood up and told them, look, If anyone fails this class, then I have failed. And I don't want to fail, so I'm not going to let you fail. And we're in this together. And I will do whatever it takes to help you succeed. Teacher got in the boat and started rowing with them all of a sudden. See the difference? Promised that they would learn up to their capacity, that they would have fun, that they would stay after school and tutor or do whatever they need to do on weekends. In fact, nearly every Saturday morning, he would meet with several of those students, whoever wanted to come, and he would tutor, help them, go through their homework, and then they'd play volleyball just to make it fun. And the turnaround in the class was incredible, as you might imagine. They used to dread going. Now they liked going to geometry, and they were all learning up to their ability. Imagine how excited they were when everyone in the class passed the course. And imagine how excited Gary was when he got his first and only A in math that he ever got. He was so excited, Gary went off the following semester to college where he became a math major. It's the power of active commitment, and everybody needs that. Someone who's so for them that they'll pay a price. Because what happens to you matters to me. Let's talk about three important things you can do if you want to give 
um, the active commitment. You want to be a pig and not a chicken? You want to give active commitment? Let's talk about some things that you can do. And you might expect that these are going to be things like, well, you need to give quality time and those kind of things. And those are important, but I think you already know all that. So I want to kind of go to another place for today, and maybe these aren't the things that you would put on your list, but I think they're pretty important. Now, I'd start right here. If you're committed to giving the blessing and you want to do it through active commitment, I think maybe the best and first thing you should do is commit the ones you love to the Lord. Commit the ones you love to. Who do you love in your life? Who do you want to give the blessing to? The best and first and sometimes the only thing you can do is invite God into that relationship and offer them up to the Lord and say, God, I need you to bless them. You can't bless anyone on your own anyway, really. The blessing comes from God. It's a beautiful thing when we see uh, at Mountain Periodically, we have these parent and child dedication services. Man, they're powerful. See these parents standing up there, and they got their little babies, and they're holding them up, and they're, they're praying for them. We're praying for the parents, too, but we're really praying for that little one. It's almost like they're saying, God, I know this little one is a sacred trust you've placed into my care. Now, God, I'm, I'm lifting it back to you. That mental picture ought to be the picture every one of us has in our mind about every loved one in your life. You literally are like, thank you for putting this person in my life. I am now asking you, I'm committing this loved one to you, Lord. It's so, so important. In the process you'll find yourself more committed to the Lord, and that may be the other best thing you can do to your loved ones, is commit yourself to the Lord. Think of whatever relationships mean a lot to you right now. Have you invited God into that relationship as fully as you can? The way you start is you commit that person and that relationship to the Lord. I was in a small group years ago with a guy, and he always prayed this kind of same little phrase. He had a little phrase he used in a prayer. It stuck with me all these years. I want to tell it to you. Because it captures this idea of committing our loved ones to the Lord. We'd be going through some study and we'd be talking about maybe some of the failures we had as a parent or a dad or whatever. And he would pray these amazing prayers about, God, you're so loving and changeless and consistent and perfect. Will you, will you bless my family, God? And here's the phrase he'd use. He'd say, God, I just need you. Would you plug the holes in my parenting? That was his phrase, plug the holes. God, will you make up the gap I leave in my marriage? I am so incomplete and imperfect. God, will you make up for what I lack? Take up the slack. Plug the holes. Isn't that a great phrase? That's the idea. Commit your loved ones to the Lord. That's where the real power is anyway. See, some, you could get the wrong idea if we talk about this blessing thing, and now we got to do active commitment with it. You could get the idea that it's all up to me. And we all got to be these, you know, I got to rescue my kid. I, I got to be a superhero dad. I got to be a Wonder Woman mom. I got to give 100 hugs a day. I got to give 50 compliments. And my tongue has to be perfectly on at all the moments of my life or I'll forever ruin the little fragile psyche of my kid or whatever. It's like, no, no, you know what? Sometimes the best thing and the first thing and maybe even the only thing we can do is to step back and turn our loved ones, over to the Lord and say, God, I can't. I am so weak. I am so incomplete. I am not enough, but God, you are. Commit your loved ones to the Lord. The apostle Paul, who had so many gifts, had some real weaknesses built in. And he begged God, will you remove my weaknesses? And God says, I'm not going to do that. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, God says to him what I think God says to every one of us who wants to give a blessing. So, you know what? 
My grace is all you need. And by the way, my power works best in your weakness. The very place where you're weak is the place where you just might invite God to come in and do what you can't do anyway. And so you ask God to plug the holes as you commit your loved ones to the Lord. A lot of us end up doing this with kids when they get older, when they turn into wayward, rebellious teenagers. Then we're like, okay, God, here they, they're yours now. I'm suggesting we do it early on. With the spirit of Jesus, who, when he, remember when he was hanging on the cross? He completed his ministry as best he could, but now he's pinned in place, and he's turning things all over to the Father, and he says those last words. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Powerful words. This is the prayer I think we've got to pray. Father, in complete trust, I recognize you're in control here, and I'm not. So if something good's going to happen here in my marriage, if something good's going to happen with my kid, into your hands I commit my son, Nathan. Into your hands I commit my friend. I commit my spouse. You turn it over to the Lord. Into your hands I commit. Fill in the blank. It's a good prayer for us. I love the book, Power of a Praying Wife, because after my wife read it, she prays for me more. It has an accompanying volume, Power of a Praying Husband, in case you're wondering. Great books, highly recommended for a study or an individual. But it was in that time period that when my wife was going through that, that I, I, I felt, listen, it's powerful, ladies, when your husband hears you utter his name before the maker of the universe. That's powerful. And it goes the other way as well. Guys, you want to know what your kids, your partner, needs to hear from you? One thing would be just their name offered in prayer to our Heavenly Father as you commit them to the Lord. Look at your kid and realize they're a gift and a possession and, and turn them back to the Lord. Everybody, everybody talks about wanting the best for their kids and so we get them involved in every activity and we sign them up for everything and get them to the good schools and dress them in the right clothes. Give them the amazing vacation. Get them involved in every sport and teach them how to play a musical instrument. But sometimes I see some parents who overlook the most important thing of all, and that is to commit them to the Lord. You offer them to the Lord so they will then have the inclination and the invitation to latch on to Jesus for themselves. What good is it to profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? So at Mountain, you know what? We take this super seriously. For anybody who's like, man, I want to help give spiritual roots to my kids. I, I want to put them in the path. that we, you know, That's what we're all about as a church. We want to come alongside parents and families and help you do that. One way we do that through all the ministry that we do at Mountain, and we have tons for kids all the way up, all clear into uh, you know, where when they're not kids anymore, um, is we make a big deal out of transitions. We love to do that. So like when a kid moves from kindergarten to first grade or from elementary to middle school or from middle school to high school or graduate high school, we make a big deal out of those transitions. We call them milestones, and we actually have a video to enjoy and kind of think about uh, how that works for you. Go ahead and watch the screen. Every child has big moments, moments that alter their direction, change who they aspire to be, and who they think they can become. Those moments become milestones. 
At Mountain, we celebrate and partner with families during those major transitions and milestones along a child's journey to make sure that every child feels loved, accepted, and wanted. We believe the most important thing that we can do for this next generation is to empower, encourage, and partner with families as they spiritually lead their kids. We leverage those big moments in a family's life. The birth of a child, the beginning of school, the decision to follow Christ, and the starting of middle school to empower parents to be the spiritual influence in their homes. We leverage those moments so we can create environments where parents can bless their children, pray over each child as they make their faith their own, and give affirmation to the child during each and every phase of life. At Mountain, we will continue to fight for every child to feel loved, accepted, and wanted, to create space at our table for every kid so they will always have a place to belong, to connect every child with an adult who is eager to care, love, and share, not just the gospel, but their life as well, to treat kids like they are made in the image of God, because they are. We will lean in during hard transitions, during milestones, to partner better, empower more, pray harder, and walk together with parents in leading this generation into a growing relationship with Jesus. So that gives you a great idea. Hey, parents, if you, if you are parents or grandparents, uncles and aunts, if you have influence over a kid, best thing you can do, get them plugged in here, whether it's, you know, preschool or Mountain Kids or Mountain 54, Echo Kali, man, it's just a great, great idea. And some of you saw that stuff and you're like, I want to help with that. Mountain Kids needs your help. Echo and Collide needs lots of help with, uh, with, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Hey, oh, one other thing. Some of the kids who not that long ago were in fifth grade are going to be going into sixth grade next year, and they passed a milestone, which means they are in our room now at all of our campuses in what they used to call Big Church, and now they're with us. We got a message for you sixth graders who are joining us. Hey, this ain't Big People's Church. This is your church, and, this, and the sermon is for you, so listen up and do what I say. Mostly, we're really glad you're here. Let's give it up for our new sixth graders. Glad you're here, guys. All right. All right, so we want to convey the blessing. We want to do it through active commitment. We want to be more of a pig than a chicken. We're going to do it by just committing our loved ones to the Lord. Second thing I want to say to you is this. We've got to learn to be better students of those we love. To become a better student. Like, go to school on the people you love. Because when, you, when you're a student of something, you, you become a bit of an expert. You, you, you learn it. You pay attention. In, indifference, when you show indifference to something or someone, it's the most painful thing for them. Like nobody, you don't even care. But when you lean in and you listen and you care and you know a little bit about someone, now you're showing that you're a student and that is a sign of love and affection when you pay attention and interest. If you're a student of the Orioles, you, you're a person who knows the players and the positions and the schedule, and, the, you know, and, and, and you're depressed right now. <laughs> uh, if you pay attention or you're a student to all kinds of things, you know, video games or gardening, you know, you're, you're learning about it, and, and we need to learn to be students of those we love. So the activities and interests and things in their lives will be known to us. And that will help us actively commit better. Grandparents who give active commitment by being a student, they'll, they'll do more than just kind of watch from a distance. They'll get down on the floor. They'll look some, a little person in the eye. 
Husbands who want to bless their wives will listen attentively, even if they think they already know what she's going to say. Parents who want to bless their kids will try to appreciate the struggles, even though for you it may seem like small potatoes and you know how this ends, it's traumatic for that kid, then you go through that drama with them. And one of the, one of the ways we become students of those we wish to bless is by paying attention to each person's kind. Every person's unique, right? You don't bless people the same way. If you got, kid, if you got more than one kid, you get this. Every kid's different. So there's a unique bent and a God-given disposition, a personality there. So I love the family gathering scene that's pictured in the Bible in Genesis 49. Jacob is blessing his sons, and he goes through each one. He kind of gives a unique blessing for what that one is going to need. So Judah, you know, you're like a lion's cub, and he calls him a ruling scepter. Dan, he says, you're going to provide justice for the people. Asher, he says, you're going to be fruitful. Joseph, he gives a different blessing. And then the summary comes in verse 28 of Genesis 49. So these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what their father said as he told his sons goodbye and blessed them, giving each one the blessing appropriate to him. People in your life are hoping you give the blessing, but you need to know them enough to give the blessings appropriate to them. One little girl may need a dozen hugs and kisses before bed just to feel secure, while her sister may only need one or two, but might need more words of encouragement. You better know the difference. Husbands and wives get derailed this whole time because they speak different love languages. There's a great book, by the way, called Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Talks about this very thing. Do you know the love language of your spouse? Like, he thinks he's saying I love you from the mountaintops when he mows the lawn and pays the mortgage. And she's still kind of waiting to hear it in her language, which is meaningful touch and spoken words. So she's speaking Swahili, and he's speaking French, and they wonder why they're not communicating love to each other. How about your kids? Are you a good enough student that you know what's going on inside? Do you know what makes them tick? Do you know what makes them ticked? Do you know what makes them tickled? Until you can answer those questions with great insight, you don't know someone as well as you think you do. And Proverbs 15.30 says, bright eyes gladden the heart. When someone finally says something to you and they see your eyes light, brighten up, it'll gladden their heart. And that's what it looks like when you're a student of somebody. Let your eyes lighten up because you're interested enough. You're a student. You're an expert of someone and what's going on in their life. So you want to you be a pig and not a chicken. You want to give active commitment, blessing. You're going to commit your loved ones to the Lord. You're going to... Just do your best to be a student of everything about them. And the last thing I'd say is just remember, this is, this is something we do in everyday life. You make an active commitment to those you love in everyday life. You know, I think Chris, you know, summer vacation's coming here, and some of us are going to get away. And a lot of parents, especially, they're going to try to go and make up for 50 weeks of... And in two weeks, we're going to just... You can't do that. doesn't work that way. You know, we got to love people through active commitment every day in the little activities. It's the spoken words that we say throughout the day. And it takes, it takes time to meaningfully touch and to give that hug before school or to embrace your wife. It takes courage to put into a spoken message those words that get stuck on our tongue. I'm sorry, I forgive you. It takes wisdom and boldness to picture a special future and to see this is a moment I should do that. And it takes some practice. And it takes creative energy just to sort of be a person who 
gets outside of your own busy week, hard schedule, hurt feelings, to the place where you can be a blessing for others instead of kind of noticing who's not blessing me. That's what active commitment looks like, y'all. So I've given you a sheet of paper today. Go ahead and take it out. I think it, it was uh, given to you on the way in. It's just a gift to you to take with you to remember this series. And it's a way also to kind of do a little self-evaluation to see how well you're doing at giving the blessing these days to the people you love. So this can be a little snapshot for you. Invite God to sort of talk to you while you maybe fill it out. You know, circle a number that represents how well you're doing at giving meaningful touch right now or spoken words or showing active commitment and the like. We're all a work in progress, okay? But this could help you know where you need to progress if you're serious about giving the blessing. Fill that out and keep it with you, maybe as a reminder, tuck it away someplace. Bubs Rousel was only 17 years old when Pearl Harbor was bombed back in 1941. So he, the next thing you know, he was called into the Air Corps, which was what became the Air Force, as a radio operator on B-29 bombers. They placed him on mission over near Japan in the South Pacific, and on December 13, 1944, early that morning, 18 bombers soared over the Pacific to make a run on some factories at Nagoya, Japan. It was awful, dangerous, deadly warlike work. Four of those planes did not return, and Bubs was one of them. So the War Department gave official word that their son had been killed in action. Family members got a telegram, had a little small white flag on it like they do, bordered with red and trimmed with blue and gold, and the flag had a gold star in the middle signifying that they had lost their son in the line of duty. But Bub's parents received something else that meant a whole lot more to them, and that was about a month after his plane went down, they received a letter that Bub's had placed on his pillow before his last mission. Here's what it said. Dear folks, I've left this with instructions to send it to you if anything should happen to me. I send you my love and my blessings. My life has been a full one. I've been loved like very few persons ever. I love you with all the best that is in me. And nothing's been very hard for me, knowing that you believe in me, you trust me, and you stand behind me, fair or foul. And best of all, you pointed me to faith in God which I have seized for my own, which makes all the difference. Knowing all of this has made me strong. Bubs. I sort of think that's what the blessing looks like. That's what I want to give my kids. It's what you want to give your, your family, your loved ones. It's what I want to give my wife. So... Think about how you're doing so we can progress and get active on this. Make it part of who we are. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the invitation to blessing, which all begins with you. Every single good gift, any, any hint of blessing in our lives comes from you. So we pray that we will receive the love and affirmation and the, the well-being through Christ through the forgiveness of our sins and through the new life that's possible in Jesus' name.
Thank you for that. Now empower us, God, to also be ones who give the blessing. Help us to be blessing givers, we pray. Amen. Well, what a great way to wrap up this.